morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you as we open Scripture together and we invite you, Holy Spirit, would you teach us what it is, Lord, to walk with you and obey your voice, Lord, not from duty or debt or obligation, but because we're madly in love with you. Father, we come against every religious spirit in the name of Jesus, every spirit of tradition that nullifies the word of God being active in our hearts. And Father, we take authority right now in Jesus' name over any confusing spirits, law-based spirits, or performance-based spirits. Transactional Christianity has no place among us and our Heavenly Father. And so, Father, we just welcome you this morning to speak the truth of your word in love. We crush all slave mentalities in Jesus' name, Lord, that we enter into sonship and loving partnership with our Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, my ask this week is um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Activation, guys, uh, activation time. Anyway, it's Hebrews, or sorry, Romans chapter 2. Yeah, that's wrong, okay? I did that. That's wrong. This, this should say Hebrews chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. That's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna eat this week together. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. That's where we're gonna be. Alright, we've been talking about the centrality of Jesus and laying Him as the foundation of everything that we are. Uh, as a church, but also as families, uh, body of Christ, and individually. Jesus has... Uh, here's what we've covered on His teaching so far. Wow, that is just wild. Yeah, maybe we should just reset it or something. All right, Jesus taught... We've, we've covered these so far. We're talking about what did Jesus teach. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, it might be good that we know the teachings of Jesus. So He taught truth. That's the real reality. Number two, God is our Father. That's how we relate to Him in the New Covenant. It's a father-son relationship, father-offspring. Number three, the Father's kingdom is accessible now. Number four, regeneration. John chapter 3, verse 7. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit. Going to church won't help you. Doing good works won't help you. None of that will help you. It cannot regenerate you. Only God can regenerate you by His Spirit and His Word through your consent. And so Jesus taught regeneration. And now, number five, we've been on this a couple of weeks from a couple of weeks ago because we had Easter and the Philippines trip as well. Uh, but Jesus taught and modeled obedience from the heart. Everybody say, from the heart. That's very important. Now, how many of you know Jesus never taught anything He wasn't willing to walk out? He wasn't a signpost pointing the way to God like, hey, you guys should do this. Whatever he taught, he lived it. Even uh, Philippians chapter 2, thank you, Holy Ghost. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says that Jesus was obedient to his Father. Listen to this. To the point of his own death. Even death on the cross. So he didn't just teach obedience. He walked it out. Are we good? Thanks, Seth. I appreciate you, brother. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Here's one of his teachings. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I ask you to do? Jesus is Lord is not a fancy saying. It's not, you know, a uh, fancy title that he came across somehow. Uh, it's actually his role in the universe and in our hearts. 
as his followers. He, he's to be Lord. He's to be chief in charge. I'm going to skip down to verse 49. He said, uh, But he who heard what I was saying and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. The ruin of the house was great. So there's a difference between people who hear what Jesus says and then actually do what Jesus says. And the storms of life come against people uh, who, who hear Him and do and people who hear Him and don't. The storms still come. The difference is if you're hearing what He's saying, you're acting on what He's saying, you're living and abiding in truth and He's your reality, then you can overcome the tests of life and the storms of life that come your way. Now, when we talk about obedience from a new covenant economy, and I referenced that earlier, what do we mean by an economy? We, we live out of this relationship, this economy with God that's based on the new covenant. What we mean by that is there's no debt in our economy. As Americans, we should be excited about that, right? I mean, because we've got all kinds of major debt problems in our country. But between us and the Father, there's no debt. There's no obligation or duty. We actually live from His supply. His grace has provided you, listen to me, everything you need to give Him what He desires. Did you catch that? It's not coming from you. His grace has provided you everything that you can give Him that He desires from you. You do know He he desires from you. Jesus obviously desires, Luke 6, that we obey Him. But I love that it's not like Jesus is saying, man, if you guys don't obey me, I'm just going to be so depressed, man, and you're just going to ruin my whole life. No, He said, hey, if you don't obey me, it's not going to be great for you. Who's He care about? You. Very, very important. He's not needing... God doesn't need us all to be great. Aren't you glad? God doesn't need us all to act a certain way so He can be happy. Now in the same way, that same God by the Holy Spirit lives in you. So guess what that means? You don't need other people to behave a certain way for you to be happy. Because if you need people to act a certain way for you to be happy, you're not loving them, you're using them. And you're just into manipulation now. The whole reason that I care about you is so you'll perform for me. So we don't relate to God our Father that way and we don't relate to one another that way. And so when we talk new covenant economy, that's what we're talking about. Is we're not living from debt, we're living from His supply. Now Jesus is the pattern Son. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way we're all designed to live. Aren't you glad that He came, God Himself came here, put on an earth suit, and said, follow me. Because I don't know about you, I didn't know how to live life until I met Jesus. And then He started to teach me, this is how life is to be lived. Now, Jesus didn't obey His heavenly Father out of fear. And I mean like tormenting fear. Demonic fear. It wasn't, oh my gosh, if I don't heal this leper, my father will probably disown me. He wasn't living in fear. He obeyed His Father out of a heart of love for His Father. Not even blessing and cursing. Could you imagine Jesus healing the man born blind so the Father would give Him a new uh, you know, ministry house? God will bless me, Sylvia, if I heal this guy. I don't really care about this guy. I care about me getting a ministry house. How shallow is that? Yeah, we see it. It lives in Christianity, especially on television. Flee it. 
The idea that we would serve and love and minister to other people so we could get something out of it. That is a lack mentality. You don't lack anything. The Lord's your shepherd. The reason that you're pouring out to and ministering to other people is because your cup overflows, man. You got more than enough. Every outreach we do at Grace Church is free. We're not selling anything to them. Right? Fourth of July outreach is coming up. We're going to fill the parking lot with people from our neighborhood. People we, bear, we, we probably don't even know. Some of them maybe we know. Guess what? We're going to give them free hot dogs. We're going to give them free bratwurst. We're going to, we're going to give them free uh, chips, free snack cakes. Yeah, you know, you name it. Bounce houses, whatever we got. What are those little glow necklaces? We give it all away for free. Why? Because when we encounter the city as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we encounter them with our hands full. We don't lack anything. Our father owns cattle on a thousand hills. If he told us to have an outreach and give it all away, I guarantee you he will fund that outreach. I guarantee you. Just do what he says. Touch your neighbor and say, just do what he says. <laughs> so Jesus, Jesus obeyed his father because he loved his father. Now this is crucial. How many of you want to love people well? Right? It's a, and it, how many of you know it can be challenging? Yeah. Jesus, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Jesus died on Golgotha for people who were insulting him. He died for his enemies, right? Not just, not just all the good people. He died for everybody. But how was he able to do this? How did he love humanity so well? It came out of his love for his father first. Now, learn from that, that when you, when you start loving other people, because how will they even know that we're His disciples except we love one another, right? We love well. Love other people from your love for your Father first. And that way, if somebody you're loving on acts a fool, insults you, doesn't give you the love you think you deserve, you don't have to quit loving them. Because you're only loving them because of how much you love your father and how much you want to honor him. I just want to do what my father said. And Sherry, he said to love you. So no matter what you do, I'm going to love you because the love of God that I have for you is not based on you. It's based on how much I love my father. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Jesus said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Not your neighbor. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But he said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So what I mean by that, I just mean we start there. We start with love for our Father. That's how Jesus did it. How's he sweating drops of blood? How? I mean, if I'm in the Garden of Gethsemane and those guys are asleep, I mean, I'm kicking them awake. What's the matter with you people? How's he love those guys? I mean, they're on their way to town and they're jockeying. For position in the kingdom, they're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. At some point, I'm just like, <laughs> how did he keep loving him? Because it all originated because he loves his father so much. How's he die on the cross for the world? He loves his father. That's where we begin. You want to love well? Start with loving your father. Let everything uh, come out of how much you love your father. Here's another good little nugget. Love people on his behalf, not your behalf. The reason that you want to draw back like, oh my gosh, I don't love you anymore is because you're loving them for yourself. Love them on his behalf. Colossians 3.17 says, in all you do. Now, how many of you think that's pretty much everything? In all you do, do it all in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word name, you can Bible hub it, eat it out of the Strong's Concordance. It means his very essence, his person. It's from his resources and it's on his behalf. Man, if I walk into Walmart and I'm loving the person in front of me on Christ's behalf, then even if they act like a fool, they try to insult me or they cut me off, leaving the parking lot, I can still love them because I'm loving on Christ's behalf and not on my behalf. Am I helping anybody? All right. I was asked the other day. This is a great question. Well, Brother Steve, if I don't feel love for a person, then am I faking it? This is why love for the Father is so important because when do you not, I, when do you not love the Father? I mean, I get it. I remember Dwayne Sheriff saying one time, yeah, ever, who wouldn't love Jesus? It's people that are challenging. <laughs> So if your love for your father and obeying him and honoring him by walking out the, his love towards others, if that's where your heart is, guess what? You're not faking it because your love for your father is real. It is genuine. But we get into trouble and it's just, it's just the human in us that we're going to qualify people for love, which reveals that the father is not our source for loving them at that time. And there's a lot with that. Do we have boundaries? Do we need to, you know, yes, there's a lot to that. And I don't have time to touch on all that. Because you're born again, you not only have the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16, you actually have the uh, obedient heart of Christ in you. The obedient heart of Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You do love God. What happens is, if you look at Matthew 13, the parable of the, the sower... Junk gets in there. You know, the thorns, the thistles, the uh, pleasures of life, worry and the cares of this life. Things get in there. So what, what do we need to do? You've got the love of God in your heart, so garden it. Garden your heart on a regular basis. Lord, I don't want anything in here that's not of you. I don't want anything here that's going to hinder your expression through me. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, your slaves are the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So we used to be slaves of sin, but then we got born again, and now we love to do the right thing. Now, we don't always do the right thing, but we love to do the right thing because we have a new heart. I'll show you that out of Romans 2 here in a little bit. Now, he says, your obedience leads to righteousness. I don't want you to be confused. Paul's not undoing 10 other scriptures that somehow you're earning righteousness from God because you obeyed him once. If you look it up in the Amplified, it means the reality of right living. When we obey him, I actually live, I'm experiencing the reality of righteousness that's at work in my heart. That's what's producing right living through Steve is I'm cooperating, I'm obeying him. Verse 17, but thanks be to God, though you used to be slaves of sin. Did you see that? You used to love sin, but you don't anymore. You've come to obey from your, from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Oh, that is so good. New covenant obedience, guys, is obedience from the heart. Obedience for us comes out of a heart of love that comes from Him first loving us. Now, I've got some great stuff for you guys that love to eat the Word. Here's the word obedient. 
in this passage, Romans 6, 17. It's hypo aku. Aku is where we get the word acoustic, like an acoustic guitar, a sound. To listen, to attend to, answer, to obey, to hearken. It, su- it suggests in this verse, attentive listening from the heart, fully compliant and responsive from the heart because we are obedient from the heart. Was there anybody that Jesus encountered that seemed to do all the right things outwardly, but their heart was far from him? So it's not about what you do. When Jesus is building his church, which he's doing right now, he said he would build his church. When he's building his church, he's not building better behaviors. He's, be- he's building better people inwardly. Never confuse the church for the building. When he says, I'm building the church, he's building you. But he's not trying to build better behavior. The Pharisees, you, you line up Aaron, the Pharisees' behavior to ours. My goodness. I mean, they were staunch keepers of the law. But they missed the whole thing. They missed God himself when he showed up. Because inwardly, they were not like him. Everything they did, they did for themselves. And then the word heart, obedient heart, is cardia. You know where you get cardiac. Heart, mind, character, inner self, your will, your intention, and the center of your being. You want to know why he's not just building better behavior? Because he wants to form himself so in you that right out of the core of your being, you're acting. You're you're obeying. You're demonstrating what's happening. You're demonstrating outwardly what's happened to you inwardly. Yeah, it's a byproduct of the inner work. See, don't, don't let anybody fool you. The reality is your deed is your creed. How you're living right now is really how you believe in the core of your heart. You're living out of it. You say, well, man, I wish I was obeying better. Well, then you're in the same boat with me because that's me. And I'm going to share my personal story with you this morning, hopefully to help make sense on what it looks like as a new covenant believer to obey God, walk with God from the heart, not from performance, not out of a debt. Like if I don't do this, well, God will kill me or he'll, he'll uh, cause my kids to get sick with COVID. Or There's none of that in the new covenant. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He never put sickness on anybody, but he sure did eradicate a whole lot of sickness. Now, that's the true nature of God. The law revealed God's nature towards sin. We see that in the Old Covenant. He's not a big fan. Why? Because sin kills human beings. But the New Covenant reveals God's heart towards the sinner. And it is to save, not destroy. To send you a helper named the Holy Ghost. Amen. New Covenant's all about the heart. It's about inner motive. Matthew 15, 8. You can write that one down. Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He even said, In vain they worship me. They were worshiping God, but it was vanity because their heart wasn't for God. Everything in the New Covenant is about the heart. I mentioned the Pharisees. Remember, he called them whitewashed tombs. I mean, outwardly you appear righteous, appear righteous before men, but inside you're full of wickedness and self-indulgence. You're full of dead men's bones. You're dead on the inside. I talked about that on Easter. Jesus came not to start a religion, but to give life to dead people. Everybody out there who's acting a fool right now, what do you expect? They're dead. They're void of the life of God. And so He came to infuse us with His divine life. Oh, how about this example? The older brother. 
Luke 15. Lo, listen to this language. Lo, these many years I've served you and you've never given me anything. That is a debt mentality. Flee it in the name of Jesus Christ. Flee the debt mindset. A transactional mindset. Here's how it works. He's, he's doing all this stuff for his dad, Luke 15, because he thinks he's going to get something from his dad. He probably thinks he owes it to his dad. So he's doing it out of debt. He's doing it separate from his dad, secretly inside. Now he's building up resentment to his dad because he's not getting the payoff that he wants to get. Matter of fact, his younger brother just got a fatted calf that belonged to the older brother. Right? Because the younger brother spent everything he had. And so that was his calf they were partying with. How could you celebrate such a scum of the earth? This son of yours, he called him, never called him his brother. It's a debt mindset. It's a transactional mindset. Romans chapter 4, verse 4, personified, which says, whoever works for God in their mind creates debt and obligation before God. And even the blessings they receive in this life are not counted as grace, but as obligation. God, thank you for giving me that, that new house. I tell you, I deserved it. Right? Don't trust in yourself that you deserve anything. It's been gifted to you through Christ. So the best way for me to to reveal this to you is just my heart in walking out obedience because I've been, uh, let's see, I've been in full-time ministry since 1994. Been the senior pastor at Grace Church since 1998. And I'm telling you, from my heart to yours, I got nothing to hide. I am learn I'm asking him to teach me to be a mature, obedient son. Because there's things in my life and times in my life I'm not obeying him. I'm not doing what he's asking me to do. Make sense? Okay. Don't breathe all the air out of the room. Alright. <laughs> so here's where he took me. He took me to John fourteen, fifteen, and he said, If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Now, because I'm born again, my heart is to keep his commands. Now, I don't always do it. And that's when I realized, Steve, is it really in your heart to keep his commands? He said, if you'll just love me, you'll keep my commands. And then he said, Steve, you make too much out of this. The the keeping is sourced by the loving. This is not, Steve, if you love me, you'll do what I say and get me a new car. It's not an ultimatum, people. The keeping is sourced by the loving. So guess what I said? I said, then please teach me to love you. Teach me to love you. Make me the type of person inwardly that routinely does what you say. So if you look up the word love, love, you know, if you love me, it's agapeo in the Greek. And it means to take pleasure in, to long for. It also means to love, but to prefer the Father's preferences. It says partnering with Him by His power and direction. He's supplying all the love. I don't even have a real love I can give Him. It's not like human love is adequate. The love that's required to love God with is going to come from God. Just like the sacrifice that was required on God's end for us to be right with Him would have to come from God. 
There's no way you were ever going to do it. The only way it was going to be satisfied is have to come from God. And the good news is, He did it. The only one who really could have adequately supplied what was required to bridge the gap of sin and death we were in and reconcile us to God. The only one that could have fixed it did by offering His only Son as the sacrifice. So dance with Him. Get to know Him. Stop living like there's a veil. Do you know who took the veil down? The Father took it down. You didn't take it down. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple is rent from top to bottom. Who did that? God did that. Not man. What does that tell you about God? He wants a relationship with you. So He showed me this and I said, Lord, teach me to love you. Make me the type of person inwardly that routinely does what He said. He said, then go here. 1 John four nineteen. We love Him because He first loved us. This is new covenant economy. We live from the love that He has supplied. That's how we live. How do we forgive? Well, we forgive from the forgiveness He supplied. How do we have joy that the world can't take away from us? Because we're living from the joy He supplied. And it's constant and it's faithful. Write this down. We learn to love God from God. And I've tried, you know, I tried the religious effort. I tried to, in my own way, somehow get enough love conjured up to love God that was acceptable. But the only love that's acceptable, the only love for God that is acceptable to God is love from God. So we have to be, we have to learn to love God from God. And guess what he's doing with old brother Steve? Guess what he's doing? He's loving me into loving him. Listen to this. He's loving me into loyalty. That above all else, I want to be loyal to him and to his word. Above all else. He's loving me into it. I'm not pulling myself up by my bootstraps. I'm not trying hard in human effort. I'm letting him love me. Because of 1 John 4.19. And then he took me to 1 John 4.7. Write that one down, Sylvia. <laughs> she got a little notebook there. First John four seven says, "Love is of God. Real love is of God." And so, young people, listen to me. When the world tries to tell you that this is what love is, this is what it looks like, it's a lie. You cannot call something love that God calls an abomination. You cannot call something love that totally transgresses His word in Scripture. Young people, I am begging you. You have a, a need to learn love and to know love. It's in you as a human being. You're made in His image. But it's got to come from God. They are lying to you. And they're lying to so many young people to make money off of surgeries and all kinds of things. Because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. If you want to learn what love is and you do need to learn, it will come from God. So whatever He says... Love is. That's what love is. Love is of God. You'll never love God properly or righteously through human self-effort. And then 1 John 4, 7 says, are you ready for this? Not only does it say love is of God, it says whoever loves is born of God and knows God. And so he said, Steve, if you want to be Christ-like, and I do, because I am born again and I'm saved, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit... I, the love of God is in me. I love Him more than sin or the world. I do. He said, if you want to be Christ-like, then know what Christ is like. 
He said, you want to be godly? I said, yes, I do. Then know what God is like. (laughs) Spend your time getting to know me. Let me teach you who I am. Turn off the television. Turn off the Twitters. Turn off the internet. Whatever it is. Let me teach you. You want to be, you want to be loving? Then get to know who love is. So, what does that mean? Well, it means priorities are an issue. And whatever you spend your time feeding on, well, that's usually what comes out of you because you're a, a branch. So feed on Christ. We call it here, abide ways works. If I feed on Christ, then Christ gets formed in me. And then Christ flows out of me. Do you like it? Three F's. Easy to remember. Feed, form, flow. <laughs> if I'm abiding in His love, I'm, I'm filled with the love of God. And then I become a loving person. Love is formed in me. It's abide ways works. I abide in His love. I become a loving person. That's ways. And then love flows out of me. Is it that simple? It really is. It is that simple. Uh, the word works. What happens is, I'm telling you, Matthew 13, just guard in your heart. Just ask Him. Maybe even this morning we'll do it together. But we need to ask Him, are there things in my heart that really do block your expression of me, that keep me from spending time to know you? How about this one? True obedience will never be accomplished by law or obligation, but rather from a heart that's been awakened by and responding to the love of God. Yeah, that's true obedience. Remember, remember when you told Johnny to take the trash out and he kicked rocks all the way down, but he did it? That's not heartfelt obedience. That didn't come from his heart. That probably, that probably came out of fear he'd take his phone away. <laughs> Listen to this, guys. Jesus wants us focused on the type of person we're becoming, not focused on things we ought to be doing. Are you hearing me? Jesus wants us focused on the type of person we're becoming by being with Him, not focused on all the things we ought to be doing. How many of you can speak English fairly well? How many of you have been around English-speaking people for a long time? It works that way. If you'll hang out with Him, He will form Himself in you. If you'll abide in the vine, and that's not, I'm not talking about an abide time. Oh, I spent five minutes in the morning. I'm not talking about that. That's not abiding. Abiding is I'm, ca- I'm connected all day, every day. Branches don't disconnect from the vine and say, hey, thanks for the fuel up for five minutes. Now let me go do this. <laughs> Yeah, it's an oxymoron. I'm going to abide in Him all day, every day. It's praying without ceasing. I'm going to live connected and what? I'm going to be deriving from Him all day long. So then He took me to the Beatitudes. We're still on my personal journey. Then He took me to the Beatitudes. He said, Steve, Luke, Luke 6, Matthew 5, read them. The Sermon on the Mount. I am not teaching things that I want people, uh, that people ought to be doing. He said, I'm revealing the type of person who's been touched by God on the inside. Merciful, pure in heart, meek, humble, poor in spirit. I'm describing a person that I'm making you into. 
Because Matthew 12 says, if I make the tree good, the fruit will be good. Now, what happened to me is I got made good the day I got born again. Right? I became righteous in my spirit, man, my holy of holies, because I'm a three-part being, just like the Old Testament tabernacle, 50 chapters in the Old Testament, so you wouldn't miss that you are a three-part tabernacle. <laughs> my goodness. So I was made good in my spirit, man. But guess what he's doing now? As I sit with him, as I say, teach me to love you. I want to be more like you. He is, he is making Steve's inner person good. Steve's mind, his thoughts, his emotions, his will, his choosing mechanism. He's teaching me to love him. And so I'm becoming more of a loving person. And the beautiful part is he's starting me by loving him first. And that way, if somebody acts foolish, I don't have to be all defeated and dismantled and <laughs> right frustrated. Well, I guess I'm going to have a terrible week this week. No, I'm not, I'm not a victim. I'm still supplied by Christ. I'm still being loved by my Father. And because I love Him, I can love this person. Well, amen. That's good. That's good. Jesus said, I'm revealing, Steve, what I'm making on the inside of you. I'm building my church. And my church I'm building is you guys. And He said, never confuse the church for the building. I'm building you guys from the inside out. Isn't that beautiful? I'm not building better behavior. I'm building you, which leads to better behavior. Amen, somebody? James talks about it, right? Show me your faith by the evidence. There ought to be evidence. If the tree is good, its fruit will be good. So if I have fruit that I don't like and I do, then I'm asking him, help me. Let's make other parts of the tree good. Matthew 13, 33, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman introduced to a three-part meal. Three-part being. So she introduced leaven into one part of the three-part meal until all three parts were leavened. So he began in your spirit. But now there's three New Testament passages that says that your soul is being saved. That's what's happening with me. My soul is being made good. I already have a bent towards goodness because I'm born again. My spirit is heaven ready. But now my soul is under the doctor's care. And it's, not, and it's not terrible. I love it. Why? Because I'm saved. I want to be like Jesus. How, how did we ever separate being a Christian from being Christ-like? I'll tell you how because everybody got excited about how many converts they could get. We had 100 converts this month. Yay for us. Well, how many of them are being discipled? How many of them look like Jesus? The whole reason He saved you was a precursor to the real plan, which is Romans 8, 29, that you're conformed to the very image of Jesus Christ Himself. He wants Christ-like Christians. And we have piddly little Christ-like Christians in America. If you don't believe that, we can, we can chat afterwards, but I believe it. <laughs> they're not, they're not running to, man, I tell you, every church I visit, the people there are so much like Jesus. It's usually like, man, they got great smoke and they got coffee machines and, you know, I like the carpet, so maybe I'll stay. Come on. <laughs> We're not vendors of religious goods and services. We're Christ-like Christ followers. 
We want to introduce everybody we know to Christ. Amen. How am I doing? Am I doing all right? <laughs> Amen. Thank you. And then he said this. Steve, you've got to remember, a Jew is one inwardly, not outwardly. Look at Romans. Oh, wow. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God has a sense of humor. <laughs> Go to Romans chapter 2. <laughs> Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. There it is. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision. Now, what's circumcision? It's the cutting away of the flesh unto uncleanness. So that cutting away is not outward in the flesh. He is a Jew who's one inwardly and the cutting away of the flesh came off your heart. He cut off your heart the desire for the flesh, for uncleanness. That's why when you do a big piece of stupid, you apologize. Am I right? You know I'm right. When pigs fall in the mud, they celebrate. When we fall in the mud, we cry. Say, Daddy, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Help me. (laughs) Get me out of here. (laughs) So, So look what he did to your heart, Aaron. He cut away the flesh. He cut away the desire for uncleanness there or the attraction to uncleanness. So um, it's out of the heart. It's in the spirit. It's not of the letter, right? It's not of the letter of the law. It's of the spirit whose praise is not from men but from God. How many of you know the Pharisees did a lot of stuff outwardly because they wanted to be noticed of men? And Jesus said in that whole dissertation in Matthew 6, when you pray, don't sound the trumpet. Don't do all this stuff. Go to the secret place. And your father who sees in secret, he'll reward you. He'll be there. He's your reward. So I looked up the word inwardly here in verse 29. I know you're going to eat it this week, but I got to say it. He's a Jew who's one inwardly. Guess what it means? The secret place. The hidden man of the heart. Ladies, remember 1 Peter I think it's 1 Peter 3 about the adorning. He's talking about don't adorn yourselves outwardly and all that. That doesn't really matter near as much as the inward person of the heart. The hidden, hidden man of the heart. I think it's 1 Peter 3. I'm not sure on that. Verse 3 and 4, I know that. But anyway, isn't that cool? That's where we're adorned. That's where we're being built. That's where Christ is being formed within us. We're Jews inwardly. Now let's go to the next one. I think, yeah, First Timothy 1.5. Now the purpose of the command and, and the teaching this morning is what? Love from a, a pure heart, a single heart, not divided. Not like, well, I love you, but secretly I really want to get something for that. No, it's purity. I, I love you. I love you out of my love for God. And from a good conscience. And then from what kind of faith? Sincere faith. Guys, this is the New Testament right here. A pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Let's go to the next one. Look at 1 Peter 1.22. Since you've purified your souls, there it is. Brother Steve's asking the Lord, hey, teach me to love you in my soulish man. Save my soulish man. In obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a what? A pure heart having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. 
So we love one another from this place of absolute purity. Thank you, Father. Our aim, and I might have this one. Let's see. Yeah, look at this one. Our aim is not to do what Jesus said out of obligation, but to become the kind of people who supernaturally do what He says. Keep His commands and do His Word. We let Him go to work on the inside of us because we abide in Him, walk in His ways, and then do His works all the time out of our connection with Him. How many of you ever, the Lord's told you something when you were listening to Him, you, you just enjoy Him and He told you something and then you got so excited you went out and did it on your own without Him? <laughs> We've all done that. Well, abiding stays the whole time. I'm always going to be connected. And I love Laura Harp. Is Laura in here this morning? She, um, Laura this week was talking about, he took her to the word koinonia, which is fellowship. Everything, everything I want to do with you, Laura, is partnership. Listen to this. I'll never ask you to do anything that I don't want us to do together. So remember that. When he speaks to you and says, hey, I want you to take that apple pie over to your neighbor. They've been hurting. You know, she had a surgery. Just go over there and tell him how much I love him. He doesn't want you doing that without him. Or apart from him. So this is what saves us from being like Pharisees because the great tragedy in Christianity is that religion turns Jesus' teachings into outward legalisms instead of inward character traits. Yeah. Well, these are the things I ought to be doing. I guess, well, all you're doing is creating debt in your mind. What if I... Okay, how did he put it to me? It's a, it's a desire. It's a desire I have to be more like Christ. And that's heartfelt. And I'm excited about it. I'm joyous in it. I don't look too burdened by it, do I? Okay, I'm excited about it. When it's a demand... It's like, well, if I don't do this, I'm not okay. I'm no, I'm no longer accepted. Flee that. Because Christ got you. You're already accepted in the beloved. You're one with Him. That's what I'm saying. It's a partnership, guys. He's not asking you to live separate from Him and He'll cheer you or boo you from heaven. He, put his, he died on the cross for you so He could put Himself in you and then glorify Himself through you. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Here's, here's my journal from last week. I wrote this. Last night it hit me. When I read Scripture, I watch The Chosen uh, or something like that. What captures me about Jesus is the purity of His heart, His humility, but His strength, His tenderness, but He's firm, His genuine love for His Father, and then sincere care for humanity. I marvel at his generosity and how he lives unafraid. And I think the chosen did a good job of demonstrating that. But I see it in Scripture too. He's just not afraid. Why? Because he doesn't lack anything. He's full. Help us, Lord. Right? Silly, help us. I never, or I, I rarely thought, wow, Jesus' theology is really stunning. Or did you see how he quoted Isaiah there? I marvel at that, isn't that? That's his character I marvel at. Because the most amazing and compelling thing about Jesus Christ is his heart. It's his inner man. It's his character. It would be more of a shock to me if someone like him with that character didn't heal little servant girls. 
It would be more of a shock to me if someone like Jesus didn't raise little boys from the dead and hand the boy to his mother. Open blind eyes or free women that were caught in adultery. I'd be more shocked with that character and who he is if he wasn't doing those things. My point is on this journey where I'm asking him to teach me to love him and to love like him, I am captured by his heart, his inner person. Christianity has its doctrines, but it's not a doctrine. It has sacraments and traditions, but it's neither of those. Christianity is Christ. And Christ's likeness where it matters most on the inside. That's what he's speaking to us. Is are we letting him form us into this person inwardly? Here's John 15 verse 9. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, hey, I love you. Is that enough to celebrate? (laughs) As the Father loved me, I love you in the same way. So abide in it. Let it be your reality. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love. As I've kept my Father's commands and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. And that your joy would be full. The strength of the Lord is yours. By abiding in His love, that strength produces keeping His commands. The keeping is sourced by the loving people. As the Father loved me, I love you that much, so abide in my love. My goodness. He said, Steve, I'm going to make you a loving person to the point that love will grow out of you like fruit grows from a healthy tree. Is it not written, make the tree good and its fruit will be good? Oh, I didn't. Let me read this to you. This is Matthew 12. I forgot to make up this slide. Matthew 12, 33. You got your ears on? Your spirit ears? Listen, Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit will be good or else make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. A tree is known by its fruit, by its outcome, by what comes out of it. Verse 34, brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak anything good? For out of an abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of an abundance of the heart, not only does the mouth speak, I think our actions speak. Verse 35, here it is, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. What am I encouraging you with? I'm encouraging you to give the Lord your heart. Christianity is not outward conformity, guys. It's inward love. It's who am I on the inside? What are my motives in reading His Word? What are my motives in helping somebody? What are my motives when I go to church? Or be the church. Because we don't go to church. We are the church. Amen to that. I want to grow into normalized obedience where I'm natural to His nature. That's a great statement. I want to be native to His nature. It's natural to me. I routinely do what He says. You know, it's like somebody who learned to play the piano. What do they do? Well, they've... they've They've been with the piano so much and they've been in it so much that they they just naturally play the right note at the right time. And that's what I, I want to be naturalized to obedience. I want to be normalized to obedience. The longer I abide in Christ and His love, the more acclimated I am and have an obedient heart and His love flows through me. Real quick, I know I'm running short of time. I'll I'll get this wrapped up here. I wonder if I have John 17. Yeah. Jesus said, I don't pray for these alone, but everybody who believes in me through their word, through the disciples' word. Is that us? 
Yes, that's us. So he's praying for us. What's he praying? That we'd all be one as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they would be one in us and that the world may believe that you sent me. So he's praying for our oneness with he and the Father. And the glory which you gave me, I gave them. Are you kidding me? The glory the Father gave Jesus Christ, he's now given us that we can be be one uh, with him just as he and the Father are one. I and them and you and me, that we may be made perfect in this oneness, this unity, that the world may know, look at this, that you sent me and you love them just like you love me. He said, Steve, if, if you want to, to be formed, have Christ formed in you as a loving person, you need to know that the Father loves you exactly like he loves me. And consider my mind blown. Right? Because I think, well, Jesus is Jesus. Who wouldn't love Jesus? Look at me. Have you seen my track record? But he said, Steve, it's because of the glory. The glory that is in my son is in you. And you are my beloved son. And in you I'm well pleased. Now, he's working on me. I'm a work in progress. But he delights in me even when I don't delight in myself. Thank God for 2 Corinthians 5.16 that says we know no man by the flesh anymore. He knows me, I know me by the Spirit. I like what Ron Bridges says. He says, even on your worst day, you're God's best choice. And let me show you what that looks like. Right here. <laughs> That's, that's what he sees. So here, here you are as his, his uh, offspring. And, and, and dad's kingdom business is way bigger than you can't do anything with it. Now the best you might do is turn the thing over. And make a big mess. Right? One of the tools we use in the M28 is called observation. And I wish we had more time. But I really want you to take an, a time of observation with this photograph. Because this isn't doctored, this is real. And it's two questions. Father, you know, what are you showing me in this, in this picture? And it can be a scripture, it can be, you can observe anything. You observe nature at lunch today. But Father, what are you speaking? And then number two, why are you showing this to me? See, when I look at this, my first observation was the delight on the boy's face. He's so excited. And all I could think of, why is he so excited? Because he's seen his dad. This is his dad's business. His dad does this. And now, guess what he's doing? He's helping. He's doing just what his dad does. And how many of you know, dad's going to come behind him if any work's going to be done. (laughs) And pick it up. And then when they move, you know, the sand or whatever, he's not going to say to his son, well, I did it all, and you know it was all me, you did nothing. How many of you know he's not going to say that? What's dad going to say? Good job. Good job, little buddy. You're doing it. You're doing it. What's the boy doing? Nothing. He's doing nothing. <laughs> his dad's doing all the work. He never, he never asked you to bring anything to the, to the family business. You don't have anything to bring except a need for your father. And now, there was one well-pleasing son, Jesus Christ. If anybody 
would have started here and grown up, you know, well, Dad, now I'm 21. Let me do it on my own. Did Jesus ever grow up and mature to the point that he disconnected from his father? Never. He lived his whole 33 years in complete reliance on the Father. Guys, this is not the beginning of the journey. This is where we're headed. This is maturity. This is where we're getting to, where we live as reliant sons on our Father every single day with the knowledge that He delights in us partnering with Him. Just like Laura had said, what he told her about koinonia, everything's partnership. I'm never going to ask you to do anything separate from me. Amen? Matt, you guys go ahead and come. Let's stand together. Word up, up, amen. In his eyes, this is what he sees. You're his. You belong to him. How many of you know dad would delight in seeing his boy clinging to that wheelbarrow with this smile on his face? This is how He sees you. You have His glory. He gave it to you. You're His offspring. Now, if you're here today and you're not born again, you need to receive Him because you're dead. You're not waiting to die. You're already dead. You've got to receive life and the glory of the Father. And then you get to join Dad's kingdom business. Amen. What a, every head bowed this morning. What I really want to ask you is I want you to examine your heart this morning. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit's help to examine your heart. Lord, what is here? What is in it? Is there anything? Matthew 13, is there any clutter, any clutter here? Stony ground. Thorny ground. Worry. Pleasures of life. Money. Is there anything here? that blocks your full expression and teaching me to love you. So Father, we do that right now. We invite you. Because we want to grow up to be obedient sons. Mature sons. Who because we love you and know you, we keep your commands. I feel like maybe there's somebody here this morning and you just feel in your gut Steve I don't know I don't know Christ I don't know this God that you're talking about I don't I don't possess this life inside of me I have a lot of sadness I have a lot of darkness I have need of light and life on the inside of me if that is you would you slip your hand up so we can pray for you say brother steve that's me i need to be born again you know it in your gut today i do not know the lord anybody need to be born again anyone we'll have people here at the front after we dismiss if that's you boy please i beg you on behalf of christ do not leave here void of the life of god in your heart Gather church, will you open your hands with me just like this? Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we sense you. We sense your sweet voice. We sense, Holy Spirit, your prodding, your knocking upon the door of our heart. Would you teach us? 
to love you. Would you form more and more of yourself into us? You're not trying to build better behavior. Lord, you're trying to build people inwardly. So touched inwardly. So, so changed inwardly. Transformed, there's a word. That we routinely do what you ask us to do. And we don't care about credit. We just like being with you. We like doing the things you say. Father, I do pray for those that struggle with a performance-based relationship, transactional. Lord, that that's washed off of them by the word. They're clear. They're clean. They can see clearly. Lord, this is koinonia. This is union. This is you and us and us and you all day, every day in partnership knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We love you. And Holy Spirit, just do your work and now show us. Lord, is there something I need to reprioritize? Do I need to change my schedule? Is there something I'm not doing, Lord, that you're asking me to do? Lord, I consent to be led of you to be led of you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said, Let's worship. Don't